Hello, you're listening to Recommendations My Taku Spouse or Otaku Susume. I'm Jen. And I'm Wesley. So let's get started. And in this episode, we're going to take. Yeah, I think we're going to actually be talking about something we've never talked about before. Is it? I think so. We're going to be talking about a novel. We are talking about a novel. Yep. What a novel idea. I was about to make the same pun, so I can't really call you out on it. <laughs> I could tell. I could see it in your eyes. And it was like, I need to make this pun before he does. Dang. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, since 2019, have been getting back into reading because, you know, as a child, you read a lot of books and you become an adult. And then suddenly everything else takes up more time and you're like, where on earth did all my reading go? So for the last couple of years, I've been reading more. And one of the books I read was Project Hail Mary. And I've been trying to get Wes into reading more. So, of course, when Wes goes, hey, can you recommend a book to me? I'm like, yes. Yes, I can. I don't even think I asked for a recommendation. I think you just told me to read it. And when Wes goes, hey, can you recommend stuff to me? I go, yes. Yes, I can. (laughs) And I guess by ask, I mean, hey, Wes, read all of these. They're good. You'll like them. I've already read through a whole bunch of crap. So you don't have to. I just know these are things that you'll like. So they've been properly vetted. Yes. So you assumed I was going to like this. I did. Well, bad news. Oh. No, I did like it. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you've if you never heard of Project Hail Mary, Project Hail Mary is by Andy Weir. You may have heard of one of his other more famous books slash movie, The Martian, which starred Matt Damon and was really, really good. I have not read the book. I've not read the book either. I probably should now. I did really enjoy the movie, though. It was really good. It was really good. The movie's really good. Actually, I want to rewatch The Martian. So you've probably heard of that. And if you enjoyed The Martian, I suggest you stop here, go off and read Project Hail Mary. Yeah, I guess that's a fair suggestion. Yeah. Because, well, they're by the same author. But despite both having to do with space, they're incredibly different and if I say if we say any more, it's going to spoil stuff, and you really want to go into this book with knowing as little as possible. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think about it. It's kind of like, if you like a donut, you would probably like an eclair. <laughs> what? I don't know. They're both very similar, but they're very different. Like, no one's going to confuse an eclair for a donut. That's true. Maybe I just want an eclair or a donut. I'm getting off the subject. No, but yeah, yeah. If you like one, you'll probably like the other. But you're not getting a repeat or a retread of what you've already seen or experienced. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Well, that was that for that this episode of Recommendations My Talk is Spouse. But they're both in space. They're both in space. 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 The final frontier. God, we're mixing too many <laughs> references together. Nope, nope, it's totally fine. <laughs> it works. <laughs> if you want to know a little more about Project Hail Mary, I guess the Cliff Notes version is... Man wakes up in spaceship and doesn't know why he's and there. And doesn't know why he's there. He has amnesia. And has to figure it out. Yes. Yes. So if that, if that intrigues you, go read Project Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Amnesia's tricky in stories though, isn't it? I mean, it's very convenient in video games. It is. It's used a lot, I think. And I think it's often seen as a very cheap way. But I mean, what do you think of amnesia in stories? By and large, I dislike it. Mm. But I think that's because usually it's poorly done. Yeah. And it's just used for like a momentary shock. Or a convenient way. To reset something. 
to either reset something or a convenient way to explain to the audience something without it being trite. But because but it we've done is, so much, it's trite. It is trite, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a way to quickly, in-universe, jump a bunch of expository bullshit on you. Yes. Which normally isn't done well, because you don't want exposition dumped on you in one heap. Yeah. I think it were. I think I was okay with it in this book. Mm-hmm. I didn't immediately roll my eyes on the knowledge he had amnesia. But I think part of that was because he wasn't hit by a car. <laughs> Or a truck. Or a truck. You know, you know, like <laughs> Yeah. Like it's it's its own trope now in a K drama that, you know, right <laughs> as something good is about to happen, the yeah. main character gets hit by a car and then they have amnesia and everything gets reset. Yeah. Just for an extra kick. Or like yeah, I mean it's not just K drama, it happens in Japanese stories all the freaking time. It used to be a big thing in soaps. Yeah. Just to show my age. So yeah, I guess Soaps is still a thing. I guess. I don't know. I think. Oh god, are they? I don't watch TV in so long. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. But, oh, yeah, I am sorry. So, I think it's going to lead into another thing that if you've seen the Martian, you know what I'm talking about, and otherwise, I'm going to explain it really quick, and hopefully, you catch on. The author, mm-hmm. Andy Weir, mm-hmm. was is something you can stop doing. I mean, he's still around. Well, yes, but he he was is a computer programmer ah, alongside okay. being a novelist. Right. So I don't know if he's stopped being a computer programmer to be a novelist or how that works. Maybe it's one of those things that once you become a computer programmer, your head just starts thinking in code. Mm. And therefore, even if you're not actively doing it, you still are one because you've reprogrammed yourself to think like no other human does. Now, this sounds like a science fiction novel. Computer programmers are weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? As soon as you start learning code, things start changing. But that's kind of like any language. Linguists True. are weird. But, but uh, the point I'm getting to is... He puts a lot of research into the books. Yes. And both in The Martian for agriculture, mostly it felt like. And in this, there's a lot of physics. And and maths, weirdly and, enough. And math. But without it, with, I'll, I'll get onto that point. But you Yeah, it, it feels, but that's the way that these topics are handled and explained to the reader has just enough jargon to keep them... I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like he's created a bubble called physics that kind of acts as the in-universe magic mm-hmm. where I don't have the background needed in physics. I took AP physics in high school, so I have some physics background, but it's not to this level. And so he can kind of pull things out of the physics bubble to explain or to do something in the story that he needs, and there's just enough jargon and maybe a faint memory of possibly hearing something like that 20 years ago that I go, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll buy it. You know, I'm not sitting there looking into it. Yeah. And so he's done enough research clearly into some parts of the story that in this, when he says that the amnesia is a side effect of something that happened, I don't immediately kick it off as being trite, like I got hit by a car or something like that, or, oh, You've got to rejog their memory by bashing him again or something stupid like that. Yeah, it makes it makes sense, sense when you find out why he has amnesia. Well, it even makes sense before you find out why he has amnesia. Mm-hmm. It makes sense kind of with the initial explanation. Mm-hmm. And in the sense that I don't know enough to know that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like I've met people who've been hit by cars that didn't get amnesia. 
And so that always just seems Nobody so, or, you know, a like, broken leg. <laughs> or, yeah. Or like, you know, whatever it is in a cartoon, someone gets whacked over the head and poof, they can't remember anything until you whack, you know. And so the magic of his books, and I don't mean the magic in an, oh, what makes him so good, but I mean like literally the magic, like you'd have a wizard in a fantasy book doing, is hard sciences and it's just obtuse enough from my own knowledge that I can't poke holes in it. So it works as magic to explain what needs to explain to get the plot to keep moving. Yeah. But I think what what he also does really, really well is he writes it in a way that it's not confusing. So like I have, I, I, I was pretty good at science, but when it comes to hard sciences like physics, because it involved math and I'm like, blah, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It confuses me. It makes my head hurt. I don't like it. But, but even then, when he's explaining things and how the science works in the book, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That's really fascinating. That's really interesting. But he writes it in a way that isn't confusing and a general, you know, audience like myself can still understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because it'll be what more people are familiar with, you know, The Martian did a good job at that. Mm. You've got in that book, because I can give, or that movie, because I feel better about giving spoilers about that one as opposed to what we're currently talking about. Watney, the astronaut stuck on Mars, terraforms Mars. Mm-hmm. But it's explained in a way that A, it seems plausible, and B, it makes sense, mm-hmm. even though I've never run a farm. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've planted flowers. I've planted a tomato plant, but that was on Earth. So yeah, so it all makes sense. And I feel like this book does the same thing. Yeah. And, it re- and it's really well done in that way. And I think not just with physics, but with a whole bunch of different sciences as well. Like, yes. No spoilers, but he does touch on like environmental science and geography. Not like physical geography, but like geography as a subject. Yeah. And that's more my forte. I did environmental science at A-level. And so I'm like, this is fascinating. I could see this happening and it scares me. But yeah, that's probably about right. I mean, obviously he probably fudges it a little bit for narrative purposes. But I mean, like you said, it's obtuse enough that but you I can't the, poke holes in. I get the feeling. So it's something that annoys me, right? In stories, the plot needs to happen. That's what a story, that's the driving force of the story is mm-hmm. the plot. And so sometimes you have to do things to ensure the plot happens. Yes. And if it's one event, one driving force, you know, whatever that is, be it nuclear waste causes Godzilla to form and he erupts out of the water. Okay. Yeah. Well, there probably isn't a Godzilla out there getting mm-hmm. ready to attack Tokyo. But if that's your initial impetus to start the story, that's fine. But I hate it when you get a bunch of those. Well, this has to happen for plot. Well, this has to happen uh, for plot. Well, this has to happen for plot, right? Yeah, no, that's I, another science fiction story that I've read that does that, where a meteor hits Earth off the coast of America and wipes out all the politicians in DC except for an envir- like an environmental politician. Very convenient. Uh, very convenient. And it's only thanks to him that they're able to like get women to be come astronauts and push the whole it's it's i really enjoyed it but i know a lot of people complained that there was a lot of that where there's a lot of circumstantial things that happen because the author needed other things to happen yeah and even the author is like yeah i did but i don't care because it's my story (laughs) but when you have a bunch of those things or when you're like massively going against the character you developed for a character i really dislike that but i find that in these books he has kind of that impetus moment, you know, so I'm talking about, I don't understand sciences. Mm-hmm. 
But if you go online at any point in the last 10 years and look at anything about The Martian, someone is going to go, well, actually... Uh, it's the internet. Someone storms, always goes, well, actually... Yeah, storms on Mars aren't that strong. Yeah. So that initial impetus that would cause him to get stuck on Mars never would have happened in The Martian. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, I'm fine with that, though. You know, that's your impetus moment that causes the story to happen. Some way or another, he needs to get stuck on Mars. And so I feel that in this one as well, you kind of have that initial bullshit moment mm. that sets the plot in motion. But then after that, things fall in place or are described well enough that they don't feel like another, well, that's just bullshit moment. Well, actually, you say that, but the actual impetus moment that gets him into space, I thought was bullshit. Let's... We'll save that for later. We'll save that for later into the spoiler section. Okay. I mean, we could even go to the spoiler section now. Spoiler section one or spoiler section two? Spoiler section... Spoiler, spoiler level... Do we just, do we just want to say that if, you, if this sounds interesting and if you like The Martian, go read it? Yeah, anything past this might include spoilers and we're not entirely sure how many of them? Yeah. So yes, if you like... If you, if you think that sounds good, if that tickles your fancy, go off and read it. If you're looking for a nice, fun, hard sci-fi... You're looking for something fun and hard. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Go read this. <laughs> oh, sorry, I lost it. <laughs> you just see the expression I'm getting right now. <laughs> sorry. You go read it. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler, okay. spoiler level one. Yes. Oh, spoiler level one. Spoiler level one. From this part forward, there will be some spoilers. Yes. So if you've read the book, but you haven't finished it, maybe you can keep listening. <laughs> yeah. What's up? What do we want to start with? Well, I guess we'll go go from what, where I just left off in the, the initial impetus that gets him off of Earth. Yes. Is, so basically, Earth is in danger. Yes. Because space microbes are taking energy from the sun and obviously you know if the sun loses a certain percentage of its heat the planet earth will be fucked because we kind of depend on that well i mean that's the life cycle of a sun is it slowly burns out and they're yes. just they're just speeding it up yes and so obviously earth goes well that's bad we need to fix this let's get a bunch of people together and we'll go off into space and he the main character grace Grace. Grace. He ends up... He's actually just a teacher that just happened to be at the right place at the right time and gets dragged into this. He'd also written a paper, I think, that brought him onto the radar initially. Yeah. But yeah, there is a bit of the, he's a middle school teacher, Why? what's he doing in here? Yeah. But that wasn't the impetus that I found bullshitty. It was the whole, we have all of these experts and astronauts and through some kind of accident, they're no longer able to go on the mission, and so he's their only option. Well, I thought the accident the, was kind of the other bullshitty. two scientists. You have yes. each, it, the mission was going to have an astronaut, an engineer, and a scientist. Yeah, and then there's a backup crew, and the two scientists. Yeah, okay. So it's weird because <laughs> they explicitly say when they formulate the two teams mm -hmm. that they will not be together. They will not be together. Yeah, on their and own. then they're constantly together. Yeah. And so when the accident happens to kill off the two scientists, leaving the mission with no scientists, it's kind of like you'd already established in universe that there were safeguards that this shouldn't happen. Yeah. And then they just wave it away as 
oh, it was just an accident. I feel like if it had been like a terrorist attack or something, that would have been actually a lot more interesting. But for it to be purely an accident, the same with why the engineer and the... um, Well, no, that one I feel that they did do a good job at prepping for. Okay. Because that was so. I still felt the initial reasoning for uh, his amnesia is a side effect of being in a coma. Because they have to drop the astronauts in comas because they're sending them whatever it was, fourteen light years away. Yeah, and And they don't want you know fourteen years of isolation to turn you insane. Well, it was going to be fourteen years because they were traveling at uh, you know near the speed of light, so time dilation. I think they the whole trip took like three and a half years. I thought it was like... It was like three okay. and a half to four years, I think. I thought it was like 17. No, no sorry, not 17, seven. Because it's 14 there and then 14 back. So well, there was it's been no a back. total of 20. There was no back. No. But I mean, sending the... Oh, sending them back. The robots. Either maybe way. Maybe you're right. Either I mean, way, they... Oh, wait, yeah, because if they're... Maybe, maybe it took 14 years to get there, but because of time dilation, they experienced less? I thought there was something weird about something that. Something like that, yeah. Again, hard, the hard science. Yeah. <laughs> Mumbo jumbo. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Um, <laughs> Insert sci-fi here. But yeah, so they knock him out so that they don't have to experience the time and go crazy being stuck in a small metal tube with two other people. Yeah, for several years without anything else to do. And so they were passing off the coma as being a part of that. Yeah. Because you're, or they're passing the amnesia off as being a part of that because you're in a coma. And they're talking about they have this whole bit where they talk about the people they hire to make the coma pods essentially as being, you know, part of this chirogenic freezing system and this and that and the whole thing. And again, I don't know enough about chirogenic freezing except for people make fun of it and say that Walt Disney's brain's on ice somewhere. <laughs> it, it's one of those conspiracy theories. I know. Mind, I, right? I've heard it, but I just let you laugh. So could a long-term, I mean. A long-term it, coma can Yeah. If you're saying a long, a long-term coma causes brain damage, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So if you're saying that they've somehow improved it so that it only causes amnesia, which is a type of a brain damage, but not Actually, to impair your I mean, he, neurological functions that much. He doesn't get amnesia because of the coma. He gets amnesia because- He gets amnesia because of something else. I know Because that. of something else, yeah. But that's the groundwork that they laid. Right, yeah. So that when they say initially he has amnesia- I felt they'd left it, they'd laid enough groundwork to make the amnesia feel more plausible yeah. than he got hit by a car. That was fine. And so but so when the other two also die in the procedure, when they're talking about the company that made it, they talk about how, you know, there's these possibilities and this and that. Yeah. So there's things left there. Yeah. And honestly, because the if, author needed if, a reason for him to be on the ship alone. Yes. And to ha- have to deal with the situation by himself. Yes. And if there are people out there cryogenically frozen right now, I, you know, it's not. Gonna... Sorry to all the cryogenically frozen people that we may have just insulted. No, it's fine. <laughs> they're, they're loons, but you know, it's not going to be a future on the situation. Most of, if there's people out there who are frozen, most of them are never going to wake up again. But well, it's not in that lifetime. I don't even think, like, even in some later lifetime, I don't think they're going to be brought back. I think that if people out there are promising to cryogenically freeze you, it's a scam. And they're just putting your body on cold storage until the everyone you know is dead and they walked off of the money. I don't think it's a viable technology right now, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, but in this so, universe, if two, so if two people is. die because of it, I, I go, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me. Let's roll with it. Okay, fair enough. You I never questioned that part of it. Fair but, but yeah, the two scientists dying in a stupid scientific accident on Earth when you've already tried to establish that there's checks and balances in place so that wouldn't happen. Mm. 
I mean, honestly, I was expecting because they also set it up for the reasoning to be that they were like fucking around in the lab and did something stupid because that was also established, which seemed to have no reason to establish. Yeah. Like what's what? I don't know. It was weird. I there felt was... like I felt like the impetus could have been something else. Else. Yeah. But I mean, that's like honestly nitpicking like the tiniest of nits out of a really engaging story. Yep. Now, if we want to talk about general ignorance, meaning that I accept a lot of what happens without question because there's just nothing I do understand. Mm-hmm. There was one thing in the book that I do have a fair bit of knowledge about that I therefore didn't think was as well represented. <laughs> Which brings us to spoiler number two. Yeah, so if you are not halfway through the book yet, turn back now. But if you are halfway through the book, so Grace makes first contact. Aliens. 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 Well, alien. Alien. Yes. And two days later, they're talking to each other. I thought it was three days later. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Time dilation was. Time dilation. Time dilation, yeah. Yeah, so he meets an alien that is, he nicknamed Rocky. Because he looks like a giant rock with multiple, like a rock spider, with multiple legs and arms. If there actually is a creature called a rock spider, it probably doesn't look like that. It looks like a spider made of rocks. Yeah. Is there actually Uh, a rock spider? Probably. There's a billion spiders out there. It feels like they're discovering new ones all the time. I don't know. But yeah, he finds a spider made of rocks. Oh, no. I kind of imagine Rocky looking like that. No. (laughs) No, I don't. I just wanted Uh, to show you a picture of a spider because I know you hate them. Thank you, dear. Yeah, straight up. If I was the one on board and I find an alien ship off the port bow and then they send over a gangway and I open it and there's a spider on the other end, I'm closing my door and this story's over real quick. <laughs> I'm getting my, you know, giant newspaper and I'm going out there and I'm going to whack. I'm going through the entire storage bin on my spaceship and I'm saying someone better have packed the industrial raid. <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> We are not having first contact with spiders. <laughs> Space spiders. <laughs> nope. But no, so so he finds a rock with five legs whose blood is liquid mercury or something. And, you know, it's this whole thing. I thought that was really cool. I do want to say that. I thought it was really cool how clearly Andy Weir found a planet, researched it, and then imagined what would an alien species that evolved on this planet be like. Is it a real planet? I think it is. Again, there's just enough detail that I'm like, yeah, I'll roll with it. Yeah. But I'm not But it's really astronomer. cool that he did that. And, and and then that then introduces really interesting challenges throughout the story because how does this mushy, mostly water meat puppet interact with- A rock spider. A rock spider that's evolved it, on a, a planet with a completely different pressure and atmosphere. And it's like, oh, this is so good. And ammonia. Yes. Atmosphere. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but even still, three days later, they're talking to each other. Yes. Because they are completely different species, and evolved not- on completely different planets, Rocky speaks, he doesn't have eyes, and he communicates through musical notes. Well, it's, yeah. Which through- Chords, essentially. I think they ended up describing him as chords. Yeah. Which through, insert sci-fi here, Grace is able to create a p- computer program that is basically Google Translate for magical, musical alien spiders. Yeah, which Rocky doesn't have. Rocky has to do it entirely through memory. Which he does because he has really good memory. There, done. Three days. You are a translator, dear. You just said the magic words in there. 
Google Translate. <laughs> Would you feel comfortable interpreting a conversation about incredibly hard science using nothing but Google Translate and accepting what Google Translate put out <laughs> as it put it out with no post-editing? You just take the Google Translate out and you give it to the other person and you take whatever they say, put it through Google Translate and accept that one okay. for one. No, but I have been in a country where I haven't spoken the language and we've somehow been able to communicate with other people. We have ordered a meal. And we managed to get hold of a phone to call the bank because you and forgot to tell And a guy swore at us <laughs> we, accidentally he was using through Google, Google Translate. Translate. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, because that, that leads me into part two. Right? Okay, well, I mean, even before we get to part... Okay, no, that leads me into part two of this whole thing. <laughs> In that situation, because that's a perfect example I think you're giving, we used a lot of charades. Yes. Anyone who's learning another language at some point, we use charades. Mm -hmm. But charades are so human-based. Charades mm. are another language. They're just stripping language out of it and replacing it with form. But they, they do that in the book. They learn, oh, if I move this way, that must mean this thing. And then Rocky starts copying him and he starts copying Rocky. Kind of, you and get, they, kind of, you they get, kind of get that. But you'd still have to explain that on some level. You know, you kind of get the wave or whatever, but you also kind of get the miscommunication when he turns on his gyroscope or uh, centrifuge and Rocky starts spinning his own spaceship and he's like, I don't know. What he's, doing. he's like, no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. So you do get a little bit of that in there, but you can't rely on charades to act as a backup to language when you're also having to learn the charades to teach. Okay. So I. I don't, I actually don't remember if it took them two days or if it took them longer, because I felt like it took them months to establish language together. I thought it was like three days. I think, uh, I have to go back, because I remember him saying how, you know, they, um, you know, do different things and, like, somehow managed to establish X word in English equals X word in Rockonian or whatever it was, what species he dubbed Rocky. But that leads me back to the same issue is that, and this is a constant thing in translation. And this is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people who aren't multilingual or who aren't translators have a mistaken view of the translation and what okay. it means to translate is yeah, that words between languages are not one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. And there, some things may be, but m a lot of words do not have a one-to-one -one reference in another language. And so as you start to make this spreadsheet of words, it's going to break down really quick. Mm -hmm. We were just talking to someone the other day who, uh, a friend of ours, Japanese native, was visiting America, and an American said, I'm fixing to make dinner. Mm, and yeah. their thought was, was there a mistake made? Was, did something screw up? Should I help? Because they heard the word fix, and that to them means broken. Yeah. You have to fix something broken, but that wasn't it. It was just a local slang that I'm, I'm about to start. To. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so, so much culture is embedded in words and that you're not going to get that one-to-one. -one. And so I think that you get a lot of people who look at, you know, it's a big thing, especially among the Japanese to English terminally online fan community, and that they have this idea that what they want is straight one-to-one -one literal translation, mm. but that doesn't exist and it never will. I mean, even I think as you get really close, like if you were to go 
and grab two romance languages, Mm -hmm. which English definitely is not. English is a disgusting hodgepodge of the rest of Europe. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing. I'm just laughing. So so like, but if you were to take two romance languages, you could get really close. But at the same time, you're going to have a bunch of them saying, oh, yeah, queso means cheese. And then France is going to go fromage just to be different. Or there's still romance languages. If you have differences between uh, Mexican Spanish and European Spanish as well. Yes. Even between American English and British English and Australian English. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think if you were to tell me that in a short period they were able to get basic concepts across, that's fine. But they start discussing some things. And it, it's hard because I also – I do feel like the author tried to put – the author, I mean, we've been using his name, Andy Weir, um, tried to <laughs> in some way address this a little bit by having the grammar that Rocky uses when they, he just switches over to having Rocky speak italicized English to show he's still speaking alien. Yeah. Be off or be weird in yeah. a little bit. But, and again, I'm only picking on this more because it's the field that I'm more comfortable with. It got to me. <laughs> Not enough that I stopped reading or not enough that I sat there and like went prump, 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 prump. I just kind of went, damn, if only it was that easy. And then I kept reading. Yeah. You know, so there, was, there wasn't even like a pause. It was just kind of a, you wish. Because <laughs> it's a good book. It is it's a good really book. It's really good. But linguistics are hard. I imagine though physics and environmental science is also hard. And somebody with a lot more knowledge in those fields would be like, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but that's not exactly how it would work. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm. You're not about to go to the internet and be like, "Man, oh, this book is I mean, terrible." I, I guess, got I guess, technically, wrong. I'm going on the internet right now, and I'm saying, "Got the <laughs> linguistics wrong, guys." Well, actually, but right, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, so I am doing that kind of, but I don't want to do it in a way that would dissuade people from wanting to read this. Yeah, linguistics, sorry. <laughs> so, but it, it falls into that back thing, you know, where I was saying I know just enough physics to be like. Yeah, sure, whatever this might sound feasible, but not enough physics to for that not to just be kind of the, in Marvel movie terms, the nanomachines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you kind of get a second one of those with the Xenonite that uh, the Rocky aliens just use as their main construction tool or whatever. Yeah. So I do like that even though it seems perfect, later on, it actually bites them in the butt. It does, and yeah. it's absolutely. not as perfect as they thought it was. Yes. And see, that's the thing is that I think... The, the whole linguistics thing didn't bother me because I thought, oh, this is really cool. They're actually explaining why they're able to communicate with one another. I was on the other side, like, oh, they aren't just able to magically speak English to not one another. It is a different language. It's something completely different. But they are still able to somehow communicate their ideas and their thoughts. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that how he first tries to establish their common understanding of science. And he does that first through numbers. And he realizes, you know, oh, this shape is this number in, in Rocky's language. And then he's able to then use that to kind of start conveying mass. And they, they kind of, obviously, again, it all, it's all glossed over because mm-hmm. if you get a big info dump of complicated maths and science, then the reader's going to be like, uh, boring. It's a turn off. Yeah. Yeah. So he, again, he manages to, to spin it in a way that feels like, oh, yeah, I can see how this is happening. And it makes a lot of sense, but without it being expose dump. Yes. I know. I, I, I liked it. I thought 
I really liked the, I honestly think that was my favorite bit was when they first contact and they're communicating and they, and he's like, I need to go full unconscious. Otherwise I will go crazy and die. So don't worry about me. I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. But when he's like, how do you tell someone that you need to go hallucinate for eight hours? Otherwise you'll die. And I was like, yeah, that's a good part. <laughs> Actually, that's another thing that I think this book did really, really well. The comedy. Comedy. Mm. Yeah, we're describing it as this hard science about this guy stuck in space and he's got amnesia and he's trying to save the planet and there are aliens, but it's so funny. No, there there is a lot of funny. It's. I think that the Andy Weir's got a good grasp on separation, I think. The funny bits are funny and the serious bits are serious. Yes. Yes. And I think that works really well to his credit. Mm-hmm. So when shit hits the fan, you're not gonna, you feel you're it. Not gonna, you're as tense as the characters are because yeah. things need to happen and things need to happen now. They're not going to crack jokes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... But the comedy, I think, is really well set up and it hits really well, too. Yeah. It could be because it's the kind of comedy that we like. That's true. It's dry sarcasm. Yes. Most of the time. Yes. But and it's, references. It's, and references, yeah. Okay, but that just brings back... Okay. We are two English speakers yes. and you didn't know what the title meant. I did not know. You're absolutely right. I did not... I had to ask you afterwards what a Project Hail Mary was. Yeah. Because because it was mentioned again in Horizon Forbidden Wilds. Forbidden and I, West. Forbidden West. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps calling it the Wilds. Anyway, um, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West. And someone used the term a Project Hail Mary. And I was like, wait, that's the same name as the book. It means something? I thought it was just the name of the ship. <laughs> no. So it is things like, or... Um, Do you want so to explain it for people like me who actually don't know what a Project Hail Mary is? Just a Hail Mary. Oh, a Hail Mary. Okay. A Hail Mary. Hail, Hail Mary. Yes. And I mean, my exposure to it as an American, beyond the fact that it is a common Catholic prayer, is in American football games. And it's kind of that last ditch effort where you're throwing everything into one chance and you're just crossing your fingers and praying that it all comes out on the other end. So that's the plot of the book. And that's how it works. Yeah. But without me growing up with American football in my life, it would be a Catholic prayer, and I'd be kind of confused about what's going on here. Well, I wasn't confused. I just thought it was the name of the shit. And then when it was used in another situation, I was like, huh, I guess this is a thing. Yes. I don't understand what this thing is. What is this thing? Language is weird. It is weird. And it's entirely tied to culture, and attempting to separate the two will never work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Come on, Grandpa. Get down from your soapbox. Shush, shush. <laughs> I can't get down from the soapbox. My knees don't work anymore. <laughs> I'm stuck up here forever. <laughs> uh, no, there's other little bits too. Um, like That were good or that were bad? No, they were good. They were great. <laughs> okay, I, they were I good. really, really enjoyed this book. I don't want anyone yeah. to get the wrong impression of this. I think it's a really, really good book. Yes. I think by and large, it's a two-person act with two guys stuck on the ship. One guy, one spider robot. Uh, spider rock. He's not a robot. Spider Rock, sorry. You're absolutely right. Spider Rock. Uh, Jeez, Wes. Get it right. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I think the comedy acts as a great palate cleanser as well, because you can't have all action all the time, no matter what a Tom Cruise movie will teach you. It's kind of like a one-room play with two characters. Yeah, because it can never go over to the other spaceship because of all the ammonia. So 
they're stuck in the one room. Yeah. I mean, there are flashbacks and you do meet other characters, but they don't really matter that much. I mean, they kind of do, but not as much. It really is mostly these an odd couple in a single room play in space. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Which, if you have, um, I forget what it's called, the fear of open spaces or the fear of depths or just generally the fear of space, then this book may make you anxious at times because it made me feel anxious at times. Did it? Yeah. Just just the idea of being in a tiny box with a vacuum outside is just like... <sighs> I think your dog has the same fear. Why? I, he just doesn't like vacuums. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew that was going to be a joke. I knew that was going to be a joke. God damn it. Uh, you got me before I'm getting you now. Fair enough. We can't argue with that. So, now that we have spoiled the entire book... Actually, we haven't spoiled the entire book. Yeah, there's still the ending that we haven't There's still about. the ending, which I'm, we're not going to talk about. And most of the plot as to what he's doing with the alien. Yeah. They still have to solve the Earth, uh, the sun problem. Yes. Which I guess is the Earth problem, but also the sun problem. Yes. So, so there's there a is, lot we haven't There's spoiled. a lot we haven't spoiled. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery. Actually, I think that's what's really... What I really liked about this book was it was constantly... It was answering questions, but then revealing a new question or a new set of questions. Yes. And so you're constantly going through going like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And they're like, well, this is happening. Yeah, but what about this? Oh, well, this. And you're like, oh, but what about this? Yeah, but, and it ramps up, ramps up, ramps it up really slowly and nicely. But I think that's the point of the flashbacks is that the pacing is constantly there with the flashbacks and that it keeps drip feeding you information. Yeah. In a way that you always feel on top of what the characters are doing, mm -hmm. but you never outpace them. And at the same time, because of those flashbacks, they never outpace you. Yeah. So. So you do be, get an expose dump, but it's trickled throughout the story. Which is how it should be, right? Because yeah. then it's not a dump. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a comfortable trickle. You got to You got it. <laughs> eat more literary fiber. <laughs> Oh, uh, we're, we're wading into really dangerous territory now. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, it's really good. It is really good. It's really good. So it is really good. If you've listened to this and you still haven't read it, thank you for recommending it to me. You're welcome. Go read it. I and mean, we you recommend have it, it to you. <laughs> you being a listener, not you. Wait, you? No, you. You. If, if we're recommending it to you, I'm not so recommending it to you because you've already read it. I'm just recommending it to you, the listener. Yeah, that's what I said to you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Go read it. Perfect. <laughs> well, that was that for this episode. <laughs> that was us talking about Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. It was up for the 2022 Hugo, shortlisted in the end. I think it's a shame it didn't win. I don't know what did win, so I, I can't, can't honestly say it was a shame or not. But I think I it was. It is yeah. a really, really good book. Uh, evidently, they are optioning to make it into a film like they did with The Martian. Ooh, that'd be good. If they do as well as they did with The Martian, it's going to be a fantastic film. Assuming they get Rocky right. Good thing about The Martian was it's all humans. You don't have to worry about making a realistic alien, which can sometimes be kind of hokey. But I, I've... Yeah, the CG better be good. At the moment, I've got high hopes. I do want to say, funny enough, because this is on topic, the winner for the 2020 Hugo Award... 2022. 2022. Did you pull up the wrong one? I put up the wrong one. I put up 2020. Oh, well. The one for 2020 was a book all about translation and interpreting and learning a language and immersing yourself in another culture. You told me I can't be on that soapbox anymore. 
Oh, the 2022 award was the sequel to the 2021 <laughs> to the 2021. <laughs> anyway, 2020, this is- <laughs> a memory called Empire and a desolation called Peace. I think Project Hail Mary was better than that by far. I have I didn't read the other two. I have no basis. I just really enjoyed Project Hail Mary. It was good. And I recommend it to our listeners. Yes. You can find us at anybrowscreative.com. Or on Twitter at anybrowscreative. Leave us messages on our website. Tweet at us if you agree or disagree, or if you just want to rave about the book, because we love raving about books. Mm. Although this is the first time we've done it in, what, 50-odd episodes? We do it off the podcast all the time. We do. All right. I'll be recommending you more books. Excellent. I'll have to return the favor. Good. Challenge accepted. Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.